Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Good morning to you, baseball people. It is indeed Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, and that means inside the clubhouse. It is dark outside for what I believe is going to be the 10th consecutive day. There are rumors of sunshine tomorrow. It's also the Super Bowl tomorrow, a fairly important game of consequence in a non-baseball sport. And then after that, Bruce, it is baseball season. Uh, Absolutely, and uh, that's my favorite time of the year, the end of the Super Bowl, meaning the beginning of the baseball season, uh, the next day, 10 days down the line, we have both the Cubs and Sox opening up in Arizona. So this is uh, truly an exciting time of year for us. And this is Inside the Clubhouse. Matt and I are with you from 9 to 11, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball with you, the great Chicago baseball fan at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 6711. He'll read all that's worthy on for the air. And we will talk Cubs, Sox, and everything baseball, including the latest on Chris Bryant, the latest on Arenado, Mookie Betts, everything that's moving in the game of baseball. And by the way, Matt, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's, the best deli restaurant and bakery in Chicagoland. They invite you to soup season at their Northbrook location. Matzo ball, creplocks, sweet and sour cabbage, chicken noodle, and a different veggie soup every day. Warm the body and calm the soul. Max and Benny's have a new party room with a section that can serve 10 to 150 people for business, celebrations, or family occasions. Dinner from 4 to 9, 7 days a week. Catering for the entire Chicagoland area. Contact John at MaxandBennies.com. Max and Benny's 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Max and Benny's where the corned beef sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper. Being this close to pitchers and catchers reporting usually means that rosters are just about done and complete except for a final couple of spots that people battle over in spring training. And while I think that's uh, largely true for the White Sox, the Cubs offseason may have really just gotten going with the resolution of the Chris Bryant grievance earlier in the week. And if you uh, read anything from Jed Hoyer, hear those guys talk, they're saying it's a very active time, still in trade conversations. The phone is uh, is very busy, and looking around baseball, historically, things still do go down in February, Bruce. Well, we waited almost till February 1st before the Cubs actually signed their first free agents of the offseason. In and, terms of big league money, uh, yeah. Yes, even Sousa Jr., and then, uh, you know, Jeffress, uh, Jeremy Jeffress for the bullpen. Two uh, veteran guys that should uh, help the mix, but uh, you know it's interesting. Uh, you know, as the grievance was heard and uh, found for the uh, the Cubs in that matter, two years left on Chris Bryant, and now that trade market is wide open. You know, after Donaldson signed last week, now you have upwards of, I would say, five legitimate teams um, 
Matt, that are interested in either Bryant or Arenado at this point. See, and, and Arenado's inclusion makes things very, very confusing, especially when you hear the Cubs linked to Arenado for various right. reasons. But so of the, those five teams, I, I, I would say the Braves still alive in a third base hunt. They've yeah. got the kid Austin Riley. Right. The Phillies still very much alive. No doubt. Um, the Texas Rangers. Absolutely. Still very much alive yeah. in a hunt for a third baseman. Washington Nationals. Washington Nationals. And uh, the the team that I think has the best matchup for a team like the Cubs or the Rockies would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. Who have a completely stocked farm system, a willingness to move Justin Turner around as need be. Yeah, he's already given them the sign-off on saying he'll play first base. So that's open to them from that point of view in clubhouse. Uh, you know, tension not being there because of the fact that He's open to bringing in a great player for the hot corner where he plays. So the, these are these are very viable situations, and they're they're ongoing as we speak. February second last year, um, you look at not a lot of trades. February second, two thousand eight, Johan Santana traded from the Twins to the Mets. February seventh last year, twenty nineteen. JT Real Muto to the Phillies. And if we remember that, there was Real Muto rumors all offseason, but then just a couple of texts and the phones got buzzing and Feb 7 is when we get that trade. Go back to 2004, Alex Rodriguez from the Yankees or from the uh, Rangers to the Yankees for Alfonso Soriano and much more. So there have been deals of consequence and uh, we know the motivation for the Cubs. and We've talked about that. How heavy is the motivation for the Rockies right now with Arenado with, with his outspoken discomfort over the past couple of weeks? Well, you know, it's it's a very difficult situation. They just, uh, you know, it's, it's going to become official today that Trevor Story, their shortstop, will sign away his last two arbitration years. So he's going to be locked up until he's a free agent after 2021. Arenado has an opt-out in 2021. So if he's not happy with where he's at and the $35 million a year that he's averaging – uh, between now and seven more years, um, then he can opt out after that. Um, the the way that uh, Colorado is going, we're unsure whether they feel they're competitive or that they're in a rebuild. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to define where they're at, and they also have to include Arenado in every serious discussion that they have with another team before they get to the point where, you know, okay, you'll give us player X, player Y, you'll take this amount of money from his contract. Those are all things that he, he's got to be a partner in this. I mean, he has to say, okay, I'm angry enough to say I'm going to waive my no trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll waive it to Washington, Los Angeles, and Chicago. Those are the teams I'll waive it to. And this is what I want for it. Okay. I want this, this, and this if I'm going to be traded. So he can make it into any deal that he wants. Yeah, and he's, he's got to be – they have they need to go to him and involve him as a partner right, right. in their thought process like we've seen uh, teams do in the past under, under different kind of circumstances. Right. In terms of Bryant, the Cubs don't really need to do that. They, they don't, Matt, and I'll, I'll let you continue your thought because you, you were going on further from there. Yeah, just that, that with Bryant, they've got now the clarity of two years left – they say there is no animosity based on the grievance itself. 
Was there animosity from years ago when they when they held him for that extra couple of days? It's been a long time for that kind of thing to go away. But you and I have talked about this before, Bruce. The 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 relationship is not perfect. It has been strained a little bit at times, yeah. as uh, does, as can take place. That doesn't have to be. I mean, is it really important for the front office and the third baseman who's the star of the team or one of the stars of the team? To uh, talk every day and, and go out to dinner? Not every day, but if they're interested in signing him to an extension and they've offered and it's not happening, then there could just be a disagreement on uh, expected value. There is. There, there's been a huge disagreement mm-hmm. on expected value. He he wants to be paid, and, and rightfully so, I imagine, in the area of the Arenado contract uh, down the road. He wants $35 million a year at age 30. Uh, when he becomes a, a free agent, um, he has every right in the world for that. I mean, wh- why would anybody begrudge him other than a Cub fan saying, gee, he's greedy. He won't take 220 or 250 million. He doesn't want to be a Cub. That's, you know, he learned from that very late March day in 2015. When he had dominated spring training, hitting nine home runs, when he had hit led spring training, both Arizona and Florida, in RBIs, when he had done everything right and showed everybody he's ready to be on a championship team. He learned that day, March 28, 2015, that uh, it's a business because he was sent down to the minor leagues. That point on, it's like, no, these aren't guys I'm going out to dinner with. They're guys that I play for. This is a business. And, uh, you know, we, we move on from there. It can be a great relationship. It can be a communicating rela- relationship. But, it you know, the idea that that we have that, oh, they have to really be lovey-dovey and, and, and be always on the same page, I think that's... It's naive. It's it just, it's not necessary. Right. The re- no, I think that's absolutely true. The reality of the situation is once you've talked about long-term possibilities with all these people, whether it's somebody they've been as close to as Anthony Rizzo yeah. or anybody, that you might have disagreements and yet you continue and you show up and do your work. Here's the, here's the one thing that's, that's really essential. Can the Cubs deal with Chris Bryant walking into spring training on February 11th and every day have the beat reporters and the national reporters come in and ask the same question over and over again. Uh, how can you, how are you going to deal with being traded? How do you prepare yourself mm-hmm. for being a part of this team and not being a part of this team? And how much can he consume before he says, you know, no more talk about possible trades. And Bruce, you've been around there over the past couple of years. It's been a quieter Chris Bryant, a slightly less accessible. Well, not at the beginning of spring training last year. No, no, no. But just in in a general sense, I don't think, I I, I don't, to your point, I don't think he's going to really welcome having to deal with that every single day. Uh, But, I mean, once once it's dealt with and it's talked about, you can set limitations on that uh, kind of thing. He he was the most vocal guy in spring training last year uh, at the beginning of spring training, talking about the Harper situation, the Machado situation. And and the business of baseball. He's also the player rep for the Chicago Cubs. So for him to go silent would be uh, not his character. Um, he's a stand-up guy. He's an in-your-face guy in a very nice way. So I, I would say that is this the way you would want to start your spring training? So my guess is that by February 11th, 
we have a real uh, idea of whether he's a cub or not. I am bracing myself for some fireworks still this month. Bracing myself for the possibility of Mookie Betts to the Padres, Chris Bryant to the Phillies or the Braves or the Rangers or the Dodgers. Arenado, a trickier send because of the 35 mil tag and the opt out after two years. But I'm bracing myself for activity. I've personally thought, Bruce, that trading Bryant was something they were going to do. It made a lot of sense for the organization Mm -hmm. as you looked at the offseason holistically, and they still have to do something to get under the tax. Now, you don't have to be under the tax until the end of the year, not the beginning of the year, which is a a key thing. So if things don't happen, it could wait until the deadline. But I I just get the feeling and have the hunch that activity is just really getting going for some of these big, big Well, well, you identified it so well, the the idea that – you know the the proration of what, how much uh, you're you're going to be taxed is based on where you're at at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, um, my formula for the Cubs this year is that if nobody is signed to a long term contract among the uh, the nine players still left from the 2016 uh, World Champions, and right now you only have. Uh, past 2021 from the World Series champion 2016 team, two guys signed. That would, that would be um, Hayward and Hendricks, okay? So, I mean, you do have Darvish, and, you know, he, right. he was signed after the World Series team. So uh, if you don't, if you're not able to sign these guys, I, I would say by July that we're not always only talking about Chris Bryant, but we're talking about, two or three of those other guys who will be free agents after 2021 being traded. Wow. Yeah, the clear mandate here, and and whether it comes from above or just comes from them, so maybe I shouldn't call it a mandate. The clear objective here is to elongate the window, as the term we've used, elongate the time when the club, the organization, is competitive at the big league level beyond 2021 when all these guys are up. So to do that, because of some of the money poorly spent, because of some of the draft picks that have taken place, they have to take a a step sideways, if not fully backwards this coming season. Yeah, I think exactly, you know, exactly your point is that, uh, but it it seems so, uh, it, it doesn't, there's not a warm and fuzzy feeling about the Cubs saying, gee, we're starting our new network, you know, here, we have this great team that went to the playoffs four out of the last five years. Mm-hmm. We still have young star players on our team, and we're moving sideways or backwards because for f- full organization health, we need to look way past 2021 to make sure that this organization is competitive as we go on for the next five to seven years. It is not warm and fuzzy. It is intellectually understandable. Once you take everything into account, because you look at the money, and assuming that they're going to go over the tax then in 2021 and possibly 2022, if we knew that, and and I think it's fair to assume that kind of thing as they move forward and there'll be money coming off the books either way, then it it makes sense as you look at a five to seven, nine-year Window and they used to look long term like that when they took over, but we just got used to them going for it and let's win now, let's win now, let's win now, which has been the case the last four years. Who's the biggest free agent after 2021? Theo Epstein, yeah, right, yeah. So, I mean, you talk about direction where what direction will Theo Epstein be going after that? Will Jed Hoyer be the heir apparent that steps up and he's 
the man, or uh, will there be continuous changes in the baseball department? You know, once 2021 comes, once the new collective bargaining agreement is signed for, if there is no time missed in baseball because of what many people consider uh, maybe the most um, egregious and maybe the most uh, competitive um, CBA fight that's occurred in 25 years. Yeah, man, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, so so there's there's a lot of moving parts here other than the 2020 season for the Chicago Cubs, the Cubs that has impact on all these things going down here. Mm-hmm. I think it's intriguing stuff because you know you're looking you're looking at a, a franchise that has had you know the most uh, success they've had in over a hundred years. Yet you're also looking at uh, changes and uh, an unknown future for the organization as far as players in it and how they will develop younger players going forward since they've had difficult times over the last four or five years after trading the likes of Jimenez and Cease and Torres to keep it going. Right, and to keep going for it. And they went over the tax last year to go out and get Kimbrell, and they signed Darvish to try and chase excellence. They went and got Cole Hamels and picked up the option to try and and chase excellence. And if you trade for Arenado, you're again locked into a, you know, you know, forever, you know, situation till death do we part, you know, seven years down the line, you know, as his skills hopefully hold up and then diminish uh-huh. as you watch him possibly become Albert Pujols. Well, possibly. But the thing is about Arenado is he's truly great. So, so like, is Pujols. Yeah, but not defensively, Arenado defensively Arenado, is a different you, are animal. You t- are you telling me that Arenado is a better player than Albert Pujols was at his peak? Um, if we add in defense, I'll be I'll be right I'll be right there. I'll be pretty damn close. Uh, I mean, because I mean, yeah, it's, I, the, it's the best third baseman in, in baseball. Him and Matt okay, Chapman. Fine, but we were talking about Pujols is one of the probably top. Seven, eight, ten players in history. Uh, to the internet as we examine wins above replacement and other numbers for their primes. I, I would just say that the dominance of Albert Pujols. Know, it's like DiMaggio stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, and again, that's not to diminish what you're talking about. Arenado's a great player. I mean, mm-hmm. he would be, you know, an upgrade at third base for the Chicago Cubs. That's the thing. That's why I keep coming back to it or keep arguing for it or however it is. There are certain guys who are worth $250, $280 million, whatever it's going to be, whether it's Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, or in my opinion, Nolan Arenado, and not necessarily Chris Bryant. But Chris Bryant is an upgrade for any team that he goes to outside of maybe Colorado right now. And maybe in Colorado, he's the very equal, certainly offensively, if not defensively, to what Arenado does there. Mm, because because of the home road splits and being in Colorado? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm, 670 so, the score. So we're not talking about a bad player. We're talking no. about one of the top 15 players in baseball at age 28. For sure. But uh, if we place Bryant, I would personally place, place Bryant between 20 and 30, something like that, and Arenado's top 10. I'd, I'd love to have him on my team. Uh, that's understandable. Yeah. 670, the score is where you are. He's Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It is inside the clubhouse. Conversation with you all morning about the Cubs and the White Sox and MLB. Crazy stats work done by Jason Stark regarding the Astros sign-stealing scandal. That's among the topics as we talk some national baseball with Tyler Kepner of the New York Times coming up next. Also later on, the new field reporter for Marquee. 
uh, Kelly or, or not uh, Taylor McGregor, who um, has been working with the Rockies, Nolan Arenado. Yeah, somebody we'll she's covered closely. Her, Arenado and her new job uh, reporting for the Marquee Network, all here on Inside the Clubhouse. It's on six seventy. The score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Welcome back on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. This hour is brought to you by Fisher Oven Roasted Never Fried Snack Nuts. Never fried, nothing to hide. And time to talk some baseball right now with Tyler Kepner of the New York Times. Whoops, there he is. Tyler Kepner of the New York Times who joins us right now on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Tyler, how are you? you? Yeah. Good, guys. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. Uh, happy uh, almost baseball season starting tomorrow as uh, the Super Bowl ends. And it's uh, baseball time, our time. Tyler, of course, from the New York Times. Great columnist there uh, joining us here on Inside the Clubhouse. And Tyler, you're, first, you're, let's, let's take the national take on, on Dusty Baker and uh, him coming in as the Houston manager. What was your uh, take on it? Oh, I think it was a perfect choice. I mean, I really couldn't have couldn't have imagined a better one unless you know they had gotten Bruce or someone. I mean, it's it's basically he's of that of that class. I mean, he he's had an instant respect uh, from the players, and I think in this case, um, you know, the fact that he's the oldest manager of baseball, the fact that half of the other managers weren't even born when he started his playing career, um, gives him the kind of life experience and perspective that you need in a situation like this. You know, he's not going to. Uh, He's not going to downplay it. Um, he's going to address it head on, and uh, he's going to help these guys move past it because they're a very talented group of players, but they've never endured life as a laughingstock um, among fans and and also just as pariahs among um, their fellow players. And I'm sure a lot of this will pass in, in time. Um, it's very hot now because it just happened and they haven't had spring training yet. Um, but I think Dusty is really the perfect guy, the perfect kind of communicator um, who can relate to these guys and, and, and help them through, uh, you know, uh, some they've never experienced before. As more stories come out about cheating and how long it's been going on, uh, like the Jack McDowell uh, thing a couple weeks ago about the Chicago White Sox and Tony La Russa, do you think that'll it'll take some of the pressure off of uh, the Astros in, in this particular uh, situation? Or is it because of the technology being what it is and how they used it, will, will it always be there? Yeah, I think I- until you get another team that is penalized as harshly as, as, as they were, um, it's really going to st- uh, cl- cling to them. I, I know, uh, I think we'd all be naive if we think it was o- the Astros and only the Astros mm-hmm. who ever attempted to steal signs electronically, but certainly they're the only ones who won a World Series title and um, 
you know, have now been exposed for, for doing it throughout that particular season. So I, I think, you know, part of it is, is their success with it um, hurts them. Like if the Baltimore Orioles were doing it, um, you know, who cares? They right. they were terrible at that time. Right. But um, I think, no, I think all these other stories um, aren't going to really um, lessen the impact because uh, again, just because, you know, of uh, the penalties were so severe and now it's like official, right? It's, it's, it's not just like someone saying something happened. It's, it's, an official part of the baseball record that, uh, you know, they were found to have cheated and, and several people lost jobs because of it. It's um, it, There's an ugly feeling around the game in terms of fans right now, Tyler, because, and I share a little of it, I, I feel duped, man. There were so many years there, 2017, 2018, we're like, wow, what are the Astros doing? They're really good at making contact all of a sudden and not chasing. Like, how have their strikeouts uh, gone down? What? H- how can you cleanse some of those feelings? How can baseball help make this a a swifter and cleaner uh, emergence than they had from the PED era, say? Well, I think I think Baker helps just because the manager does more interviews and is more the front man than, for an organization than anybody else. Um, but he's not out there playing, and, 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 and those guys' uh, reputations really are going to take a hit. They can all go out and win a hundred games again and, and, and hit, you know, three forty and, and, you know, maybe, maybe prove, I guess that they are great players, but I don't really think that's it. I don't really think people think that all of a sudden Alex Bregman and George Springer and, and all those guys are, are not good, good players. You're right. They feel duped and they feel like, um, you, you know, that they, there's something inauthentic about, about what we've seen from them. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to prove themselves all over again, but they can never really get, get past, uh, you know, the fact that their greatest triumph is, is, is now tainted. I mean, I can't think of a World Series winner um, who's ever been tainted like this, um, if at all. I mean, you could say the PED guys uh, era, but you know, I think it'd be hard-pressed to to think that one team had a PED user in a World Series, but the other team didn't. Um, I mean, that was pretty widespread among all the teams. Um, people point to the 1919 World Series with the Black Sox, but the Reds won that World Series, and they didn't do anything wrong. I mean, they, they just they, the other team wasn't on the level, but they didn't do anything wrong. Um, so I can't think of a champion who who you know is in the books now with a with a mental asterisk uh, in, 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 in beside their name. At Tyler Kepner is where you find our friend Tyler Kepner of the New York Times, who joins us for a few more minutes here on Inside the Clubhouse. And Tyler, when you look at uh, these mega stars still dangling out there possibility of trading Mookie Betts, Chris Bryant, Arenado, and we're, we're only 10 days away from camps opening. What, what are your thoughts about baseball 2020 and, and how it's changed as far as looking towards 2021 possibility of a new CBA and owners uh, looking at uh, bottom line a little bit more than they did in the past? Well, I think this offseason has been interesting and, and, and been been better, really, than, than the past couple because, uh, you know, we're not going into spring training with, you know, really with any significant um, free agents still out there looking for jobs. I mean, that was always the big issue the last couple of years is all these these great players are, are, are unsigned as camp opens. Are the owners colluding or, or are we seeing some big shift? Um, I think free agents generally found their their uh, proper value um, this offseason. And so you have uh, a, a trade market that, that's still active, and, and that's a little weird. But, 
you know, I, I think it's, 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 it's okay. I mean, I think we'll probably see a resolution fairly soon because these teams don't want this thing lingering. Right. Um, but there, there have been, you know, trades within spring training too, going, going way back. So I, I don't think it's that, it's that unusual. I'm just so glad that the free agent market righted itself this year. And I hope that's a trend that continues. Yeah. The timing of it really, really righted itself. You're right. And it made for a refreshing off season. I think Yasiel Puig is the only, and Brock Holt. Those are like two of the only guys. Right. Yeah, it's true. Those two guys. But, but two of the only guys in the top 50 that are, that are left at this point. Um, It does it, it doesn't make you sad at all that the Cubs are considering trading Chris Bryant, that the Red Sox are considering trading Mookie Betts. Like, is this is this a, a negative effect of the competitive balance tax, or is this the price of doing business and trying to keep things fair? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a negative effect of, of the competitive balance tax. Although that's still a, a uh, still ought to be um, voluntary. I mean, like it, it's not like it's not like these it teams is. have to. Yeah, it's not like they have to. It's not. It's not a salary cap. It's a choice. It's just whether you want to pay the overages. And the Red Sox chose to do that a few years ago, when they went out and got JD Martinez and went over the over the limit. And uh, voila, they won the championship. Now it doesn't always work that way. Um, and maybe it isn't smart to work that way. I mean, these guys, these organizations are run by really smart guys, and, and maybe they just figure that uh, you know it's it's better um, perhaps to to trade someone and and, and not you know, cling to the same core forever like the Phillies tried to do or the Tigers when um, you see where those teams, uh, the hole they had to dig out of. So, um, but I don't like the idea that, that the luxury tax is, is for many people a, uh, a salary cap because you, you see a team like the Kansas City Royals selling for a billion dollars. So all these owners are sitting on a mountain of a huge asset um, that they can always get everything back um, if they ever choose to, to sell it. So I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't love the idea that they have to trade these guys for financial reasons, because I just don't buy that, that, uh, that they really have to observe this de facto salary cap. How do you look at the Bryant situation from where you stand and the people that you talk to as far as uh, trade or no trade and uh, taking it just a step further the fact that they haven't been able to sign their Bigfoot players from the 2016 World Championship team. Yeah, I got a lot of questions about the Cubs, really, because I, I you know, from last year, from the beginning, you know, from what Theo Epstein was saying, how, you know, if this team doesn't doesn't right itself and, and kind of resume its place, um, you know, among the elite of the game, there are going to be major changes, and we haven't seen any major changes. We just haven't seen much of anything. Um, you know, we've seen them lose a few guys, and, and make some minor um, additions, but the core is still there. And, and, and I don't, yeah, I mean, the core is the core because they're good players, but maybe things do need to be shaken up, but we haven't seen it yet. We've sort of heard that, that threat and we haven't, we haven't seen them shake anything up too much um, with, with the, the key players there. So yeah, Joe Madden's gone and, and David Ross is there and that'll be interesting. Um, and the Cubs are still objectively a, a really good team, but I think if you would, if you had looked at them in 2016 and seen how young they all were, um, you know, and how good they were, you would have expected at least one more, at least trip to the world series, at least another, another pen in there somewhere. Um, but it hasn't happened. And I'm not exactly sure why. And I don't know really what they've done um, this winter to address it. It's, it's, it's kind of mysterious. I, I don't know if, if um, Bryant will stay, but certainly if they move him, then that would, that would live up to their, uh, what they had said about, about uh, you know changing things around. Yeah, I think they've been waiting on the 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 grievance since October, and now it's uh, finally here. And then time is tight, but maybe they still will get active. Uh, Tyler Kepner's book K 
is absolutely terrific. It's basically a historical look at all of baseball through 10 different pitches. Um, it's a, really fascinating. So with, with that in mind, I want to ask you a, a broader question. Last week we had Frank Menachino on, the new White Sox hitting coach, and we asked him, mm-hmm. we asked him how his hitters – will go against pitchers who are throwing the high fastball and like the 12 to 6 curveball as they go mm-hmm. after the launch angle guys and he said I refuse to answer that question which was funny <laughs> because this is the cat and mouse game right I wonder I wonder where you think the cat and mouse game in the league stands right now pitchers are still ahead of uh, of the launch angle guys we're still probably going to see a ton of strikeouts aren't we Yeah I mean pitchers have 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 developed a different philosophy now that they throw harder than ever but they throw fewer fastballs than ever so so the fastballs they do throw are are really fast but they're not um as as committed to the same kind of patterns that we're used to um you know there a lot of guys are are much more willing to throw breaking balls than what used to be fastball counts or just throw a lot more breaking balls than they ever had before um, which does make sense in a way because if, if you're conf- if you're big leaguer and you're confident enough that you can throw um, any pitch for a strike, um, then why not just throw your best pitch? And then when you do break out your fastball, um, it, it it plays up even more because of the contrast. So I mean it's it's an interesting uh, approach that we're seeing in in, in pitching, and it's uh, yeah it's really tough for the hitter. I mean I I, I wish there were more you know singles and, and stolen bases and bunts and stuff like that, but. Um, you know, you can understand the basic philosophy of how hard it is to get to bunch together a ton of hits off these guys. So you might as well look for a mistake and try to hit a try to get a point that way with a home run. Um, so maybe not the the most fun or or, or exciting way, but I, I do appreciate the um, the skill of, of the guys on the mound because they're uh, you know they're something to watch these days. Tyler, do you expect uh, baseball to have a uh, salary cap or a a huge fight with uh, some time lost over it in after the 2021 season and uh, the CBA appears because uh, it, it appears from everything that it, that I've watched over the last few years that there's positioning going on to that effect and you know the things that we're talking about right now people trying to adhere to their own uh, salary cap by not going over the luxury tax uh, threshold is a little disheartening. Right. I don't think we'll ever have a um, a hard salary cap. I think the owners know that's a non-starter and always has been. Um, but you're right. It's become a de facto salary cap, and the players know that, and, and, and that's troubling to them. I don't sense quite as much uh, hostility as there was the last couple of uh, couple of years because the free agent market has done better. Um you know, and, and players can't really be out, aren't, aren't really out there complaining about that anymore. Yet uh, um, salaries dropped. I mean, uh, the but, the median dropped, right? The price. Yeah, but yeah. but so you know, we still we still see um, we still see some issues despite the fact that free agents are doing better. I, so I I do think they're more in a mood now to um, you know to not to not lose another negotiation. Let's say, and um, it's gonna it's I, I think it'll be tough. I, I wouldn't want to predict a strike. I, I wouldn't go that far quite yet. Um, but you know, you do sense that even though the the market is better, and we don't hear those kind of complaints anymore, that there's still some things the players strongly believe need to be righted. Yeah, maybe solving the fact that when entry level players come in, they make one point five or two million. Uh, that might that might in itself uh, change some things. Definitely. Around. Yep. That's Tyler, definitely something that they've they've talked about. Yeah. Tyler, appreciate the time as always. Uh, enjoy your great work, and uh, when you're on. Uh, 
doing your stuff on MLB Network and everywhere else. Uh, it's it's truly a joy. And next time we'll have a big trivia contest because uh, I, I always <laughs> like challenging you, and you're you're always up to the task. I, I don't think I've I've gotten you to miss one yet. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I'm always up for trivia. So anytime you want to want to play that, just let me know. I found out the hard way. Yes. Take care and enjoy the day. Thanks again for joining Matt and I on Inside the Clubhouse. All right. Thanks, fellas. All right. Take care. Thanks, Tyler. It's Tyler Kepner of the New York Times. With the first pick in the plumbing and heating supply draft, contractors select supplyhouse.com. Take the field at supplyhouse.com today to get 1% off for each touchdown scored in the big game. Take it to the house, supplyhouse.com. Lots more inside the clubhouse to go, including Taylor McGregor, the new field reporter for the Cubs on Marquee, who uh, has been working with the Rockies. We'll talk to her about Nolan Arenado and more. That's next hour right here on 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. He is Bruce Levine. I am Matt Spiegel. Bruce, I saw you wrote about Tim Anderson and the confidence that that man has. It's a very confident bunch, an excitable bunch overall, and they have every reason to be. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, they are done, basically. So when, when you look at the White Sox and you look at the roster, you don't have the same consternation uh, a Cub fan would have of looking at Chris Bryant or one of the other big players and saying, I wonder if he's going to be here two weeks from now. The, the White Sox are done adding on big names or important parts of their team. They might add a, a player or two, you know, as far as maybe something in the bullpen along the way or, um, you know, add a um, a position player that is on a split contract. But the building of the White Sox is over with. And, hmm. What you see is what you get. Now, 10 days from now, when we see the camps open, we're going to look at the White Sox and go, okay, you won the offseason. Now, now what, you got. What, what do you got? And uh, watching them intently through spring training and seeing how they evolve is going to be fun. Yeah, it, it it really is, and um, to see exactly what they'll do in terms of Nick Madrigal and or Danny Mendick there at second base, to see how that outfield defense is going to progress, where things slot in that bullpen, which guys get uh, the most important roles, it's going to be a fun, different level of analysis yeah. for that team. I mean, look, uh, Renteria has the ability to lead off all spring long with Robert or Anderson, or Mancata, or anyone else that he thinks fits that role. Down the road, a lot of people think that Robert is going to be their leadoff man, but do you put that kind of pressure on him starting in spring training that um, this is who we think you are, this is who we expect you to be, get used to this role? Or you know, do we see a player that you know, is immune to any kind of pressure and just goes out mm. there, plays the game. Yeah, who knows? You get, start to get a, get a feel for him as a, as a person and how he reacts to the situation. We don't really know about that kind of stuff yet. No, and, and Renneria was asked at uh, SoxFest uh, last week about where he might uh, put him. You know, fan, they had the fan session with uh, Renteria and Rick Hahn on Friday night at SoxFest, and he was asked, you know, do you think uh, Robert's going to be a leadoff man? And he said, "Well, you know, we're going to we're going to move our guys around. And we'll we'll figure out where they best fit." Uh, but he's he's pretty much in the mode of, you know, as a rookie, you let the rookie kind of grow into the spot. 
So, you know, is it opening day? Is Mancata the guy? Matt, who's your who would be your opening day leadoff guy? Opening day leadoff guy for the White Sox as currently constructed. <sighs> Either Anderson or Mancata. Yeah. I'd probably go those guys one, two. And then I put Robert down at the bottom and just let him get accustomed to big league life. Is on base percentage important to you in that I mean you, you for have, sure. You have Anderson who had the highest batting average in baseball. Mm-hmm. Okay. He didn't walk hardly at all. Still because of his batting average, he had a you know three fifty plus uh, on base percentage, but is that is that sufficient for you? To, does he see enough pitches? Uh, does he set the tone of who that starting pitcher is, like a normal leadoff man, or is that base hit good enough for you to start the game because he? out hit everybody else if it's me right now i go Moncada one and anderson two and then i have robert nine and i basically have a double leadoff situation right. for every other time in the game and i don't love Moncada coming up first with nobody on base but hopefully with mazara and robert down there at the bottom Moncada does have some guys on base from time to time right there is you know there's there's some good athleticism that's been added to the team especially men if Madrigal is a part of it, where you have second base, center field, uh, shortstop, third base, all of them can run. Mm-hmm. So you got four guys, which is odd in today's game where you uh, you actually have four guys that can steal a base or score from first on a double. Um, that might be an, an, a fun element to watch with the Chicago White Sox this year. Yeah, it's really interesting because if, if you do Mancata 1-2, say, uh, and Anderson 1-2, then you're looking at Abreu, Encarnacion, Eloy as your 3-4-5, something like that. Well, Grandal in the mix right in there with OBP, and that gets a lefty in there as well. Could be. It's going to be a lot of fun to write out that lineup. The next segment is open to you, our great fan base out there, 312-644-6767. Tell us what your great anticipation is for the Chicago Cubs and White Sox going into spring training starting on February the 10th and 11th, just uh, only uh, a week or so away from Monday and Tuesday. It's going to be fun to watch, Matt, and uh, I'm anticipating uh, – some interesting takes from our listeners. Dial it up and get involved. 312-644-6767. Guest at 1030, but nothing between now and then. Text us at 67011 on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. <laughs> 